Uh, but this is, this is something hopefully encouraging, and the Lord wouldn't let me off the hook. I need to bring this because last week we were talking about don't lose heart, right? Remember, we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 again because he starts off, he says, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. That is, we don't give up, okay? Well, he says it again in this chapter in verse 16, okay? So what I want to do is I want to look there and see because he says we don't lose heart because he's given us this ministry, And we have this access and we have this ministry as we see what he taught in chapter 3 about how the veil's been lifted. The veil's been lifted through Christ. Like Moses, they had the veil. There was a veil in the temple. There was a veil that Moses put over his face after he met with God and his face was shining from the leftover residual of the Shekinah glory of God that he was exposed to, right? People were afraid of it. But the veil's gone through Christ. All right, and we can we can have access to the glory of God, and we can glorify God in ways that they never had possible. This is so much better. This is so much greater, and we've received the opportunity to serve Him. And having received this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. But then He said, "So we have this ministry, but we have more than that. We have this reality. We have this reality." And I want to just read these verses. No, I don't. I want to read more than that. Can we just have a little scripture reading right now? I'm going to start in verse 7. We left off at verse 6 last week, but we're going to, we're going to look at this whole passage. So get your Bible ready. Uh, I want you to look at it. Get your reading glasses on. You know, uh, hey, if you're using your tablet or your phone, you know, get your version app out. Blow that thing up there where you can see it good. And read with me, okay? Um, the Word of God. Reading, public reading of the Word is, is such valuable time, all right? It's not wasted time. This is some of the most important time. It's just the public reading of the word. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, so you follow along with what you have there. And I'm going to start in verse 7. So he said already we have this ministry, this serve, we can serve God, and how he served us so we can serve him. But now look at verse 7. It says, but we have something else we have. Let's do a little inventory, folks. That's what he's doing here. Okay, I, just keep reading. Uh, but we have this Treasure, he says. Something else we have, this treasure. What treasure? Well, we're going to talk about that. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's our human bodies. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's for all those people who are thinking they're all that. You know, it's not us, it's him. We are afflicted in every way. Anybody had any of that? I want you to pay attention to the contrast here. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested or revealed in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing That he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, 
we do not lose heart. There it is again. Though our outer self is wasting away. You can say amen while I'm reading if you want to. Our inner self, that's the real you, is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Father, bless your word. Open up our hearts, open up our minds, help us to understand it, help us to uh, properly understand and apply it and respond in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Continuing this whole theme of why we don't lose heart, even though sometimes we're going to feel like it. Huh? Times you ever feel like it's a struggle? Sometimes you feel like giving up. I have to admit I do. Paul went through the struggle. Paul went through various types of trial. And he's letting us a little bit on the inside of how he deals with it. I need some good advice. How about you? Uh, so this is why this teaching is here. How He's letting us know how God kept him motivated when the walk became a struggle. Amen? Those times when he, how about this? All right, I just have a lot of problems with myself. I need to get over myself. But there are times even when I'm doing good. Hmm? You ever, anybody do some good this week? Feel like you're doing good? That's all right. Praise God for it. Amen? But there are those times when I do good, but I receive bad. Now, wait a minute, Lord. Isn't it supposed to be that I'm doing good? I should be getting good things happening. All that karma stuff, right? But you do good and bad things happen. Paul knows what you're talking about. Uh, Paul experienced that. When he poured out love. You just poured out love. Everybody ought to appreciate the fact that you love them and love you back. Uh -uh. You pour out love and you get back hate. When he served and poured himself out and tried to build others up. And all some of them wanted to do is devote their time to tearing him down. Did you know that happened? Yeah, it did. That happened right there in Corinth. For some reason, this is the second letter that we have inspired of God that's in the New Testament book of scriptures. There were some others, it seems like, from the conversation that he wrote that weren't scripture, but there was communication. And even though he poured out so much and tried to help these people so much, there were all of a sudden those who were, you know, had maybe grown up in Jewish religion, and they were trying to mix the gospel of grace with the legalism of the law. And they were always after Paul. There were some of these people who like, well, you know, in order to be saved, you've got to become part Jewish. You've got to keep part of the law. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And adding all kinds of stuff. Listen, it's all based on the finished work of Christ on the cross. You don't take anything away from it and you cannot add anything to it. It's faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing. It's nothing you do that earns part of it. He paid it all. 
But there were people taking Paul on that. Paul went through physical struggles. He had some physical weaknesses he, he talks about. He had some persecution. He had other things. And they tried to exploit that, trying to point at him and say, see there? And, uh, man, he's their founding. He's the apostle sent out personally by the resurrected Christ. And yet there, no time, people are thinking, Paul, we need to get rid of Paul, listen to me, type thing. That went on in Corinth. There were people undermining him left and right. And he has to deal with some problems. I mean, there was some sin going on in the congregation. Instead of repenting of it, they were celebrating it. I mean, you had people come from all kinds of angles. And Paul's trying to deal with a lot of that in these letters. And so if you go on through 2 Corinthians, Paul does something he don't like to do. He goes into a lot of the suffering and stuff that he went through. Uh, I would like to analyze all that, but today's not the time to do it. Let's just look at an overview of it. Uh, but during all of that, during all of that, because see, there's, there's the physical problem, the persecution, the trials, the physical struggles. But then there's that emotional, spiritual struggle of when you're doing good and people return bad. Whenever you're pouring yourself out to help people and all they want to do is undermine you and tear you down. Whenever you sacrifice and give for them and they just take advantage of you. There's all of that. And then plus... He mentions at another place the daily care of all. The, I mean, he, he genuinely struggled with every day praying and worrying about their souls. And just caring about. And if you're in ministry, you're going to have that. I just don't know. I think one reason why a lot of people start a ministry and then they give it up is they think somehow it's going to be some how we've Americanized and Westernized some kind of glamorous uh, celebrity type thing and, and it is, is not you are a servant that's what minister means remember from last week it means servant and when you serve when you serve you sacrifice and when you sacrifice often you suffer but no pain no gain huh if you're going to be healthy physically you're going to have to sacrifice and you might consider it suffer a little bit if you're going to eat right, if you're going to exercise, if you're going to maximize your physical health, it takes discipline, doesn't it? Paul refers to that in another place. That profits a little, but exercising yourself to godliness even more. So you can apply the principles there. What kept Paul from quitting? What kept him from saying, Lord, I love you, but I'm, I'm sick of people. You know, it's like I'm tired of trying to help people see your light. Just let me live out my days in peace and comfort. That's what Americans want, right? Just take it easy. Just live out in peace and comfort. You know, sometimes it seems like Paul reminds me. This is the way my mind works. I'm sorry. This is what I have to deal with. Uh, sometimes Paul reminds me, spiritually speaking, of Rocky Balboa. Now, especially all of us guys, especially of our generation, you know, Rocky. I mean, the most, you know, the, the first time, you know, I really felt like crying at a movie and not being able to control tears is, is after Rocky. You know, he fights Apollo Creed in that frame. He just gets beat to a pulp, but he stays in there. And all of a sudden, the scene changes. And, you know, they're pointing out, I love Apollo Creed, too. I mean, but anyway, but Rocky, he's kidding. Man, he just uses his face as a punching bag. I mean, if you really study it, you think, getting hit with power like that once or twice would have not you out or you would have had permanent brain damage forever but not rocky <laughs> he keeps going man and but you know he lost that first fight you remember that i mean not really it was a movie it was make-believe but okay uh but sometimes yeah he lost that and as they're announcing at the end it fades because he's crying adrian adrian and she's like trying to get to him and it's just like oh it pulls at your heartstrings doesn't it man it was so it's like the most 
powerful love story I'd seen to that point in my life. Sometimes Paul, spiritually speaking, reminds me of, of, of that because he just gets beat up. It's like you watch, as you get older, you watch those. You say, there's no way any human could have lived through those punches. You know, I mean, they're not blocking. I mean, he's boom, boom, blah, blah, you know. And then he's down there and his eyes swelled up and he doesn't give up. Instead of giving up and throwing in the bloody towel, he's cut me, Mick, you know. And you, you, you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. You've seen it, right? And he's right back up there. And that the whole Rocky too is he comes back and he actually wins. I mean, this no-name guy that they just gave a shot at the title and he turns out to be such. But so I just think he just gets beat to a pulp, but he keeps getting up. He came and he just like everybody else, Apollo can't believe he keeps getting up, man. He keeps getting up. That was Paul. I mean, so many people punching him and, and except they fought dirty, right? And I mean, he just keeps going on and he just keeps getting up. What kept him getting up? What kept him going? It's because he had such heart for God and for his church. I think that was in all those movies, that thing that inspired us so much is just the heart of somebody to just not give up, to just hang in there. And you see that spiritually. This is so much more important here that uh, he had such a heart for the church. He had such a heart for God. He had a heart for the lost because he used to be that way. That he just kept getting back up for more until the very end. And when Scripture leaves off on the story, we leave him in prison. And, and, and history tells us that there did come a day that they came in and beheaded him. Victory. So what I'm saying is you look at Paul from the outside and what you saw might not have been very pretty. But what you saw was not the real deal. And what happened in the end there in that prison in Rome? Paul getting martyred for his faith in Jesus and love for everybody around him? That wasn't the real story. The real story was the glory that you didn't see. Right? That's what the real story is. So this is what this is about. The reality. We have this reality. The reality, the reality is much deeper than what you can see and what you can know on the surface. If, if we're going to be shallow and we're just going to look at surface stuff and physical stuff and material stuff, we're not going to know what's really, really real. We're going to miss it. So this is all about motivation again, like last week. It's all about focus. It's all about perspective. We looked at the first do not lose heart last week. It's because of what he would receive by God's grace. He points up by his mercy. We received him serving us and then our opportunity to serve him. We received this ministry. The veil has been lifted and his glory has shined. His glory. We've caught a glimpse of the glory. The glory that was veiled is now not veiled. And once you come to it and once you receive it, it's shined into our hearts. And he's talking about steadfastness last week, about motivational to doctrinal and moral integrity. And, and, and he's pointing out in verse 5, it's just so not about us. It's not about us. He says, we proclaim, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. You see that in verse 5? That's a key verse, man, for ministry. And so that was his motivation and his focus. That was his heart. He knew what was really real. And it's not what appears on the surface. Paul knew that. And so today we're going to talk about what's the, the reality that we have. And we're going to talk about something. We're going to talk about real treasure. Real treasure. That was in verse 7. And see, after saying all of that, 
about having received this ministry, we don't lose heart. And about God's light, verse 6, shining out of darkness has shown into our heart to give knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That glory was veiled as unveiled. The glory... God is who He is. You really know Him and how glorious He is. Has the light of that shown the Shekinah powerful glory shown into your heart? Has it? Now, because of that availability, He says, you got to realize something. Here's what's real. Real treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay, He said. What treasure? What are you talking about? Well, it's what we receive from the mercy of God. It's, it's referring all the way back up even to this ministry we received as part of that treasure. It relates to the glory. Once again, you hear that word glory of God? Glory of God. It relates to the glory of God. By the way, Wednesday night, starting a new study. It's based on the perspective study. It's called Operation Worldview. And it's about this whole thing. What's the story above all stories? The story of his glory. That's what it's all about, folks. 6.30, Wednesday night. All right. Uh, but we'll talk more about that later. But anyway, so it all has to do with that. And it's also what he talks about in verse 6. The light has shined out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the what? Of the glory. There it is again. The glory of God has shined into our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ through Christ. And so we have this, and this is a treasure that we have that is beyond anything this world can understand. What is it in? What is it in? He says jars of clay or clay pots. Jars of clay. That's what he's referring to our human bodies. We're made from dust. We return to dust. It's just like a clay pot. But this clay pot, and you know in those days, as well as even in my parents' days, sometimes these clay pots that they would make, sometimes they were used for honorable things, sometimes not for very honorable things. Right? Right? Okay. Uh, so it may just be a clay pot. But he said, we've got a treasure in it. What the people look at us, they see just some old clay pot. But God knows his treasure is inside, is inside of this jar of clay that represents our sin-cursed, aging, imperfect, weak human bodies. Sin came in, human, our flesh was cursed, right? Don't blame God. Don't just blame Adam and Eve, because we've all sinned. Part of the curse, are you there? The world, the earth, the whole universe was cursed, so things don't operate perfectly the way God originally created because sin brought a curse. Even the ground, after the curse, started bringing forth thorns, and boy, does it ever. I said, I'm having problems, and, and weeds, like ragweed, it's messing up my voice, can't sing like I want to sing, and I struggle with it, and, 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 and I, I didn't used to have problems with it, but the last three or four years, I have, and I was out there pulling some weeds the other day, is getting all in, you know, hey, you got to keep the plants and flowers taken care of, but the weeds, man, they're just like, they're there, right? I pull them up, wait a minute, that is ragweed, <laughs> I'm handling it, so I get a good dose of it, uh, and uh, we've got all these things that happen as a result of the curse of sin. Uh, our bodies are part of that. And it might seem it's weak, it's aging. Sometimes we look pretty pathetic. I mean, you know, I've said it before. Sometimes all we focus on is the physical body, right? If we spend as much time preparing our heart and our soul before we come to worship as we do just how we look on the outside, we might really get somewhere, right? But you ever think about how useless it is? No matter how hard you try, I mean, you've got to work hard to keep yourself looking good. 
Well, I mean, most of us do. Wayne, he, he doesn't so much, you know, but he has to do a little bit. I mean, you ever think about, you know, like even our human bodies, we have to work hard just to keep ourselves healthy, just keep ourselves going. I mean, we've got to have everything just right. I mean, a few days without water and you're in trouble, right? Um, and um, uh, so the thing is, is we have to work hard just to keep ourselves from stinking. I mean, right, go to deer camp, you find out just how quick you start stinking. And when you smell your own stink, you know you stink, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how it is. We put all the value in this clay pot, but that's really what it, all it is. But the treasure is what's on the inside. You, we see this weak, uh, aging, pathetic thing, but, but, but like Paul, what you see is not the reality, what this decaying, aging, weak, miserable jar of clay contains is the power that spoke the universe into existence. In here. In here. I'm going to have to go to the tabernacle or temple and it be there in the Holy of Holies. It's in here. In here. So that everyone knows it's all about God and not about our clay pots. About God, not about us. You looked at Paul's life on the surface, it didn't seem so good. He lets us know, and that's what he says. We have this treasure and jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not us. And Paul was dealing with some folks who was all thinking they were powerful. And he said, we're not. It's all God, not us. There's a deeper reality, Paul's saying, than what you can see and what you can feel. I want you to look at the contrast then that he goes into as he goes into verse 8. Look at the contrast. And I, I started to put these up on the board, and I thought, no, nah, it's too much work. Let's just use our minds here, okay, and our hearts. It says, we are afflicted in every way, not just in some ways. But he says, I'm getting affliction. That's things that, that put you the squeeze on your life, right? But he says, I'm afflicted. The pressure is coming from every side. But I'm not crushed. See, that's kind of what that Greek word indicates. It's, it's kind of like pressure coming from every side. And there is. It's there. It's there. But I am not crushed. It ain't going to crush me. And he goes on to say, I'm perplexed. There's all kinds of confusion and things I don't understand. But I'm not driven to despair. I'm not going to be driven to the point where I just give up. Look at this. So there's contrast, affliction, not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair. I'm persecuted. And there are people that are coming after him. There are people that are trying to do bad things. There are people who are trying to kill him. Read through Acts again everywhere he went. There will be this group of Jews that followed him around. And some of them were Judaizers that tried to mix Christ and law. And they would try to mess up everything that Paul did. They would, he would be making inroads of helping people understand the gospel. And they would come and try to confuse everybody. There'd be people starting to listen, and then he'd get the town in an uproar. And, and, and then there were other, there were all kinds of other things. You know, in Ephesus, it was those people who made idols turned against him. Because all of a sudden, people are realizing, we don't need these idols. And the people selling the little figurines, it started hurting their business. So often, it is really about money, isn't it? It is about money. And uh, so, man, they wanted to get rid of him. There was, you know, there's just so many things that happened. Uh, but he said, I'm persecuted. But guess what? I'm not forsaken. I'm not going through this by myself. He hasn't forgotten about me. He's with me. They persecuted him. Why not me? Am I better than Jesus? Then he says, struck down or knocked down, but not destroyed. I may be knocked down, but I'm saying, cut me, Mick. I'm getting back up. 
right? I'm not out. I'm back on my feet. That's what he's saying. Struck down but not destroyed. Oh, oh man, he says, just think about it. There was one time, there was one time in Acts chapter 14, he was in this town called Lystra, and people, these folks went around, they got people stirred up, and they got people so mad at him preaching the gospel that they stoned him with stones. They took rocks and tried to kill him, and they thought they had killed him, drug him out of town. Everybody's gathered around. And it says he got back up and went back into town. I mean, God miraculously healed and brought him back. They tried to kill him, drug him out of town, left him. The disciples are gathering around, Acts 14, you can read it later. And he gets back up and goes right back in. You can't stop this guy. I mean, that's, that's you know, I can hear, I can hear. Can't you hear that when Paul's laying there dead and all of a sudden he starts to move? Dun, 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 you know, all the, he's, he's getting back up, man. He's going back in. He's not going to stop until God says it's time for me to ring that final bell. And then he says, always caring about the body in the body, the death of Jesus. I'm reminded that physically what Jesus went through to pay for my salvation. And why sometimes I'm carrying that too. And, and when I suffer, I just relate it to him. It's not about me. Too often it's hard for me to just get myself out of the way. I have to admit. But that's what Paul said. It's about Jesus. I'm carrying about in my body the death of Jesus because he suffered. I can suffer. Why, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? What is my motivation that I would suffer like this? So that the life of Jesus may be manifest through my body. So at the same time, those who are ready to look for it and see it can see. And you know what? He remembered, I'm sure, there was a day he was one of those other guys wanting Christians to suffer causing them to be arrested and like Stephen, giving consent to whenever they stoned him and God let, God let Stephen die right there in front of him. That's because what we saw is a guy dying. Why would God, people, why would, why would a loving God let that happen? Because you didn't see what happened in the next moments after he took his last breath. <laughs> That's why. If you could see that, you'd say, oh, he gave us a little bit of hint about it because right before he got the death blow, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, he saw, he saw a vision of heaven. Heavens were open and Jesus was standing at the right hand of the glory of God the Father. I mean, the Bible says when Jesus ascended, he sat at the Father's right hand, but Stephen said he was standing. I have to say he was standing and applauding his faith, ready to receive him into his arms. And then Stephen died. That impacted Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, didn't it? He remembered how he was one of those guys. But there finally came a time that the light shone. It had to blind him, didn't it? And the light of the glory of God, he finally, though he got physically blinded for a while, he saw it in his heart, and he embraced the gospel. And so he said, now I'm willing to go about showing the death of Christ in my body so that through me, other people might come to know he's alive. And alive forever. That's what verse 12 is all about. He says, or verse 10, verse 11, he says, For we who live are always been given over to death for Jesus' sake. So it's not stupid stuff I'm doing. It's because of Christ. If that happens, he said, I'm willing to do it. He says, why? So that the life of Jesus may be revealed or manifest in our mortal flesh. So he said, death is at work in me. Some of these guys that thought they were so much better than Paul, like you're, it's almost sarcastic, it could seem like. So death's at work in me, but life in you guys. Uh, but no, what he's saying is, I'm willing for it to go through this so you can have life and life be at work in you. Well, life was at work in him too, and it was showing the way, right? So death's at work in me. Why? It's all for you. Why is he suffering like this? Why is he willing to go through that? It's because of them. It's for their sakes that they may have life, eternal life. 
All right? So real treasure. This is what the real treasure is. And it's so valuable. And he realized it's so awesome that it would motivate him to go to these extremes. Right? All right? Then the not just real treasure. Uh, realize what you see is not the reality. Paul's saying the, 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 that may look like death, but it's really about life. Amen? Amen? In real faith. Real faith. He says in verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written. And he quotes Psalm 116 verse 10. I believed and so I spoke. And if you go study that psalm, he's writing about this psalmist who was writing about the Lord being with him in the midst of all kinds of struggles. There's a psalmist writing about, man, he, he was seeing all kinds of wicked things and bad things were happening to him. And, and then he comes right out and, and he makes a great statement of faith and, um, and, and even talks about in there about how great uh, the Lord's mercy and faithfulness is. But uh, Paul says, I'm going to identify with that person that wrote that, who spoke in faith, even though things around him were going tough. He says, I believed, so I spoke. That's what he said. Now, it's not that I'm, I'm making reality by my mouth. It's about the faith. And it's about the faith that is strong enough to be verbalized. Okay? It's not the mouth, it's the faith. But the faith is strong enough that I'm going to not shut up about it. I'm going to speak it. I don't speak it into existence. That's not square with scripture. God brings it about, not me. And it's not my faith, it's him. But it's related to my faith in him. Some people try to make their faith bigger than God even. And God has to obey their faith. No, 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 no. Our faith is just simply our trusting in him to do what it is that he does to his glory. We trust him. So when I speak and I verbalize with words of faith, what I'm doing is I'm verbalizing my surrender, my submission to him and to his power, to his will, to his word working in my life. That's what he's saying. Because what you're seeing don't look so good. But I believe there's more going on. There's real faith here. And I'm going to speak it. I'm going to verbalize it. He said, just like the psalmist said, I believe so I spoke. So we believe also. And so we speak. Why? Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. There it is. There it is. What it seems on the surface is not the reality. By faith, he could write it. By faith, he could speak it even before it happens because it is real. It is because of the treasure that he has, the ministry that he has, the glory of God that has been revealed to him. It's so much more. It's so much more than they realize. It's all about he knows, he has faith, and he who raised Jesus will raise us also and bring us together into his presence. And then he goes on to say, for it is all for your sake. All this stuff that looks so bad that I'm suffering, it's for you. It's for Jesus, and it's for you. Why? So that as grace extends to more and more people, that through my life, through what God is doing, grace God's salvation through grace is going to extend to more and more people. And when that happens, it's going to result in more and more people giving thanks to God. Increase in thanksgiving. You see that there in that verse? And what will that result in? God being glorified. It says, to the glory of God. Right there in verse 15. 
to the glory of God. That's, that's it. That's it. More and more people may come to know God's grace and see his glory, and that will result in the increase of those who know Christ and give thanks to the glory of God. It all comes back to the glory of God. And this is why we worship. This is why we are driven to just like, well, I wonder if I feel like it today. I wonder if I feel like serving God. I wonder if I feel like praying or reading the Bible. I wonder if I feel like gathering with the uh, family of God. Kids, what do y'all think? Now, we need to take a little bit more initiative than that. This is what drives us. Do you see his glory? Has he done anything in your life? You want to thank him? You want to glorify him? You want to pour out to him? Worship him? That's why we come. And so this is all why we don't lose heart. This is why we don't lose heart. By faith, we can see what others can't see. So he says, I'm going to wrap this up now. So we do not lose heart. He's uh, bringing it right in here in verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. By faith, we see what others can't see. He goes on to say, you know, we look at the things which are not seen. Okay. How do you look at something that you can't see? Because I thought looking at something means you're seeing something. Yeah, you are seeing something. So you kind of get the idea we're not talking about physical eyeballs here, right? You already pointed out how Fanny J. Crosby saw so much more than people who had working eyes could see. It's through the eyes of faith. That is our trusting, submitting, and relying totally upon him. Through the eyes of faith, it opens us up to this, the reality, to what's real. So look at this. What's most real? I want to ask you. What is more real? The chair you're sitting in, is it more real than what you can't see? Well, sure it is. Because we want to relate to things that we can see, touch, smell, and feel. But Paul says, the things you can see, touch, smell, and feel are temporary. They're transient. They're passing away. But what you can't see is permanent. It's forever. So I want to ask you again, what is more real? What you see that is temporary or what is permanent? I think something that is forever, something that is permanent, is more real than something that's just temporary in a flash and a pan. So what's forever and what is permanent is more real than what is temporary. So what's most real? We can see what is really real. We have this reality. Um, It's what we can't see with the physical eye that's more real. That's why we stay at the task. Though our bodies are wearing away and they're wearing out the real us on the inside, the real you on the inside, your soul, your spirit, he says, is being renewed every day. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad it's new every day? Aren't you glad that even though some days I use up all my strength and I'm not re-strengthened and I'm still sore and tired the next day, you don't have to be that way spiritually. And aren't you glad that even though you struggled today and you let him down today, that you didn't use up up all of God's grace you didn't use up all of what Jesus paid on the cross aren't you glad his mercies and his grace is new every day and way back in the Old Testament uh, Jeremiah uh, in Lamentations 3 23 talked about he says through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his mercy he didn't just wipe us out right because his compassions never fail they fail not they are new every morning I used it all up 
yesterday. No, you got a whole blank slate today. It's all new today. You may give up because of what happened yesterday. It's new today. His mercies are new today. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't that powerful? Yes, it is. He, he, He calls his present sufferings. Now, Paul went through some bad stuff. Wouldn't you agree? There was a time in Philippi that they were tied to a stake and they were whipped and, 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 and with this big old scourge and it ripped their backs up. Then he's thrown in a dungeon. He didn't know God was going to rattle the whole place and shake him loose and set him free. He was willing to die. He went through all kinds of, of persecution. But guess what he calls it? Did you see that? Momentary. Just a little while. Momentary light affliction. Did you, are you getting this? He went through a lot more than you have on your worst day. And he calls it momentary and light. He said his momentary light affliction is preparing, it's working, it's at work, it's producing something. What did he say? An eternal weight or measure of glory. So this little light suffering that I'm doing doesn't even compare to the big heavy weight of eternal value that it's producing in me. It is, it, when you begin to get the reality of it, then it begins to make sense. An eternal weight of glory that is beyond all compare. You don't even, I mean, it doesn't say, well, in another place, he says it this way. Romans 8, 18. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Romans 8, 18. So get the real picture, folks. Then that will help you not lose heart. So how do you look or fix your focus on things that you can't see? The only one way. It's by faith. He says as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, they're transient, but the, uh, but the things that are unseen, the eternal things, they're permanent, they're permanent. This is the example of all those in Hebrews 11. <laughs> it's what Abraham did. I, I like this verse. I'm going to close with this. In Abraham's life, it says in Hebrews 11:10, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. God led him out of where he was from to a land that he would show him. But the writer lets us know he wasn't just looking for Canaan land. He was looking for something that God himself built. He was looking for God's presence. He was looking for a city, right? Whose builder and designer is God. He had something beyond the physical focus. How about you? Doesn't that do something? That you've got something beyond this physical world focus. Something beyond just things and material things. You've got a focus of something. You're looking. It says that he was looking forward. He was seeing by faith something that God had for him. That was beyond this world. Sufferings of this present time. That's not the ultimate reality. Growing old and not being able to do what you want to do. That's not your ultimate reality. You're going to be raised together with us in Christ Jesus and be in his presence. You're going to get to enjoy that place that God has prepared. So knowing all that and knowing that that is forever. And as we're there ceaseless ages of eternity. 70, 80 or even Daryl 96 years will seem like a moment. So when you think about your life, you being eternal, 
you've got all of that out there. Francis Chan used to do an illustration where he had a rope that wound hundreds of feet and finally went off stage and said, this is, represents your life, and you're born here, and according to the Bible, you're going to exist for eternity in either heaven or hell, and it goes on forever. And this had a piece of tape on it that was like this long. You could barely see it. It said, this represents your time on earth. And what we do, what the devils do is get us focused just on what's going on right here, and we forget about all that. And we don't prepare for all that. And he's letting us know even the suffering I'm doing here is adding value and weight of glory to that. I'm laying up treasures for heaven. Jesus talked about that. So don't, I'm telling myself, I need to hear this. I need to hear this. I guarantee you as bad as anybody in this room. So don't lose heart. Don't give up. There's a lot at stake, but there's a lot available. Walk by faith. Father, help us.